struggling with debt, bills, loans, credit cards, need a way out? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt matters. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're now five events in. This is our set behind closed doors. We're very thankful for BT and helping us be able to get our fighters out, give them regular opportunities to box, to earn money, uh, to gain that experience, in particular some of the younger guys that have had that opportunity. Some of them would have never even had the opportunity if this pandemic hadn't happened to have even in part maybe a televised broadcast. So that's a that's an opportunity in itself. We started small in July. We always said that we were going to to build gradually, gradually as we, as we could see what was happening, learning how to deal with the new safety environments that we have to work within. We saw tremendous numbers for our shows in August. Um, it was great to have some top line talent back in the ring. Carl Frampton, Daniel Dubois, Joe Joyce as well in, in July. And we go from there now to what I think is probably the strongest show that we've, we've come back with, which is full of great domestic fights, really, really good competitively matched fights. Unfortunately, we lost one of the fights this weekend, which is going to be pushed back, and I'll, I can answer some questions about that later, John. But no, we're in a good place. We're in a good place. We're in a good place considering where the world is right now. So we've got the return of uh, Anthony Yard, his first fight since February against Dex Spellman, who everybody saw perform heroically against Lyndon Arthur seven weeks ago. And Deck, as you'll hear a little bit, uh, a little bit later, he certainly fancies his chances of uh, giving Anthony Yard a very real test. Uh, Echo Essamon against Cedric uh, Peno, which is uh, a, a talented, undefeated young fighter, Essamon from Nottingham. Yeah. And, uh, and the middleweight eliminator, the British middleweight eliminator contest, Mark Heffron against Denzel Bentley. I mean, that, it's almost disparaging to describe it as a trade fight, but the bookies literally can't split them. Well, it is. It's a pick -em. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And I think ev everyone that we've certainly spoken to about that fight is looking forward to it. I expect that there will be some heavy shots landed. I think we're <laughs> going to see them both kind of meet in the middle, square, you know, very much. You could put that almost in a telephone box, the way that they're going to fight with each other. They're both thrilling, thrilling fighters. They've both got lots and lots of talent. Mark's obviously moved, he's moved now over to work with Michael Jennings. He had that great contest with Liam Williams where unfortunately he came up short, but he's gone back. He's on a bit of an unbeaten, unbeaten uh, run of fights since that fight with Liam. He'll be looking to make a bit of a statement because if he gets this one and, and, and is successful, he puts himself back in that real kind of elite, elite level at the domestic stage of things. And Denzel's someone that we've been really, really happy with that we've been working with. He comes to fight, he's always engaging, he's a great character to work with. And, you know, I think both can have, certainly go, go and do very good things in the sport, but I think the winner of this has put himself straight back in for the British title. Martin Bowers has been calling for Mark Heffron for... Yeah. A year, more than a year. Well, they like the fight. They like the fight, and I think that that's you know testament to, to Mark and his, his manager Kevin and Michael, who's trained for taking the fight. It was a very easy fight to make, and 
that's that's kind of always the key. If you get fights that are easy to make, you know you're almost going to be in in for in for a treat. Both guys fancy it. Both are going to come to win. So we're going to see a great fight. Now, sadly, Nathan Gorman against Richard Larty not happening at least for now. What's yeah. the story there? Well, unfortunately, we had, well, I say we had, Richard had uh, some issues, some complications with, with getting his medicals in on time. Um, we had to take the decision not to bring him into the bubble. Um, we didn't want to impact, you know, this isn't just about one fight in particular, this is about a whole show, we've got a broadcaster that we need to make sure we're fulfilling our obligations to. And we've got fighters that need to go out and work. It's a shame for Nathan. We're very disappointed. I know his team is, I was speaking to them a couple of days ago about it, but where we are in a good position at the moment. And the fact that we've got so many events going on, we've been able to reschedule it. So there's no issue with his visa. His visa has been approved, it's been applied for, he's got it in hand. There's no complications with getting him in. It's just making sure that we're adhering to the government's restrictions. We're doing everything we can to keep everyone safe. So we've had to push that back. That now happens on the Liam Williams, Andrew Robinson show on the 10th of October. So in addition to what was already a cracking event there with you know with JJ Metcalf, Jack Flatley, and some other great fights on there. We've now got that fight to look forward to. Now, I I don't suppose there's an easy answer to this one, but I've got to ask the question because I'm sure that the guys here would want to would want to know. With the big event supposedly taking place at the O2 with uh, Joe Joyce and Daniel Dubois and the developments overnight mm -hmm. regarding the seemingly tightening up of, uh, of, social, of, social, of social distancing. What's the latest state of play there? Or, or, is, it, or is it you don't, you simply don't know at this stage? We, you know, we, we got the news at the same time as everyone else, which is that you know, there's going to be some new restrictions brought in by the government from Monday. Um, we, you know, we have to just review and assess things like everyone else in all cases of sport and business and in life. We're having to review things constantly. Um, we want that fight to happen. Uh, Joe Joyce wants that fight to happen. Daniel Dubois wants that fight to happen. Their teams want it to happen. Queensbury want it to happen and BT want it to happen. Any way we can get it on, we're going to make it happen. But it's a fight that we feel and I think the fighters agree with us. It's a fight that deserves to have a crowd. The, you know, whether that's the ability to have it at full capacity, that remains to be seen. We don't know how long these restrictions are going to be. We've still not had clear direction from the government as to the, the capacity percentages we're going to be allowed in venues and when that comes into fold. We think likely at the moment that late October, November, we're going to start seeing participation of crowds in events. But We've got to, you know, we've got to talk to the O2. We've got to discuss this with BT. We've got to match these dates up, and most importantly, the fighters have got to feel comfortable with the deals that we can do. And again, preempting another question, which again is probably one that you can't answer at this stage. We've already seen one pay-per-view go ahead from the other side, mm -hmm. the uh, White Povetkin fight, yeah. without uh, without a crowd. Is that feasible, or is that uh, is that really a, a last? case scenario? I think, in, I think in the current climate anything's feasible. Um, what do we want to see? We want to see a crowd. We, we want the British Commonwealth European Heavyweight Championships on the line for Daniel versus Joe in a sold out arena such as the O2. That's the plan. Until we can't see that happening in the short term, that's the plan. Okay, well I think that probably sets things up quite uh, 
quite nicely for Saturday and looking forward to another very good show and uh, two more to follow. Two more good ones to follow in October as well. No, absolutely. You know, we've, we've been on this a, month then into October. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've been busy. We've, you know, five events under our belt. This is our sixth. Uh, September 26th show. It's, it's great to see World Title Action back on BT Sport and Josh Taylor's mandatory defence. Charlie Edwards debuting as well, for, it was a Queensbury debut, I should say rather. That's, that's a great night boxing that we've got. And then as I've mentioned previously, the October 10th show, it's a stacked show, really, really good, competitive, quality fight. You know, you're going to see great action if you tune into BT Sport over the coming weeks with boxing, so I hope the fans do. Excellent. Well, George has got to, uh, has got to hurry away, busy schedule and all that, so time now to meet some of the fighters who are involved at the weekend. Struggling with debt, bills, loans, credit cards. Need a way out? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt matters. Struggling with debt? Bills, loans, credit cards. Need a way out? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt matters. Um, so a fight that we expect to be announced uh, this coming week will be the rematch between Joshua, Joshua, Dillian White and Povetkin. Um, obviously, we've spoken about it a couple of times over the last couple of weeks. But um, yeah, I think their attitude, Hearn and White and the team is just... Let's do it. I think November it's gonna go, and um, yeah. And you know, I, you know, I've got to apologise to Povetkin because because I was probably so emotionally charged. For I know what you're gonna say. You're gonna talk about the punch. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so because I was probably so emotionally charged and in, uh, invested in, in in our boy, I, I didn't give Povetkin credit. Uh, but <laughs> looking at it, looking at the fight over and over again, it was a wicked shot. And because when he threw the shot, Dylan actually, and if you look at it again, I don't know if Dylan probably checked it as well, he actually braced himself with his, with his rib on that side because he thought he was going to go to the body. And then, and it's, it's, it's kind of a swooping shot. And you do, that's what you do. You let the shot go. You, you think it's going to go there, and then you just bring it up and, and get him right on the button. Dylan made a mistake. And that's, that shot was the same shot that he got caught with against Anthony Joshua. You know, and the, the shot came up the middle. And so that was the weak spot. And he, he tried, he thought he was blocking it to the body. Then he realized he made a mistake. He wasn't, he wasn't sharp enough to catch it. So I've got to give Povetkin credit where credit's due. Uh, even though Dylan was, and, but Dylan knew to look out for that shot for that, but for that split second, for that split second, which you can't give somebody that's got, that's got the wisdom and not the youth, not the, not the pace, not the, not the freshness, because Povetkin isn't that, wasn't that. But he had the wisdom to, to know that he still got that he's an artillery. He couldn't give him that space. Dylan made a mistake. A mistake that he'll never get again. Fortunately, he has a rematch clause. And, and good on Povetkin for saying, yeah, let's do this again. Even though he's taken a beating before that point. Yeah, let's do this again. Because he's thinking to catch him again. You know, Dylan said, mm -mm. And Dylan, out of all of his squad, you was on the bus coming back after the fight. You was in the back room, you know, in the dressing room. In fact, I walked in with you uh, into the dressing room afterwards. And out of all of his squad, Dylan was the only one that was like, saying, no, no, you know what? Brush myself off. Let's deal with this. Let's do it again. And he was, he was, he was, he was lifting his boys, you know, because everybody's gutted. We're all gutted. 
but you, you've got to give credit where credit's due. Povetkin did a wicked shot. He was catching a beat and still put it out the bank. So my apologies are, are there to Povetkin. My and and uh, um, and and for Dylan, I've got to, I've got to give it to him because he was the he was one that lifted his team where it's usually the other way around after you after you catch a loss. I I think it would probably mean more to Povetkin if you if you said it in Russian. I can do it in Russian. I know you can't speak Russian, so then how are you going to do Actually, that? I might be able to. Yeah, see? Never judge a book by its cover, my brother. Come on, what you got? Right. I can say whatever one that you want now. Remember, I spent almost six times German. But anyway, I can say a little bit of Russian, but it's going to be wasted on you. No, go on then. Apologize. I can say what I wanted. Apologise to Povetkin in Russian then. I will do when I see him. When you see him... When I see him, I'll apologise. He's coming over again. It's going to happen again. Why don't you just apologise? I'll send it to him. I am going to do it in person. It's weak doing it over this kind of thing there. Yeah? I personally have something. So we're going to do it in person. So basically, you can't speak any fucking Russian. Oh, I want you to be there when I apologise to him. And I want you to have your yeah, camera because on. I could learn to make an apology in Russian between now and like seven, eight weeks. Unfortunately, you don't know if I can speak Russian right now. And you will find out when Povetkin comes back again. I'm going to say, come. Yeah, we'll come. And I mean, we're going to have a conversation. I don't know what he's going to say back to me. We're going to have a conversation. And you're going to like, with your camera. I'm like, wow, you got me, bruv. You got me, bruv. What, what would you say then? And we'll be, we'll be joking about you while you're stood there. I want you to be there, Rasta. So, <laughs> bottom line is you don't speak any Russian. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm sure so, he can probably understand. Um, now I'm, I'm going to you got give me real estate. You got to speak to me in Russian. I'm going to give him a couple lines in Russian. Good, 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 good. Um, so this year we're in September now. Yeah, it's nearly uh, done. Yeah, I suppose the plan is from kind of Matchroom Sky blah blah is to have three pay per view shows in a perfect world: Usyk Zora, White Pavekin to Joshua Pulev, but. I get a feeling that probably we'll miss out on at least one of those. I don't know which one. Well, well, well we know one of them will definitely happen. White Povetkin. Uh, no, sorry. We know one of them can definitely happen because we've already seen it. Uh, White Povetkin. But, but White Povetkin is the most likely out of those three pay-per-views for the year, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, because that's what I'm saying, because it's happened. The other, two, the other two, both parties have got to, uh, all participants have got to agree to take the hit. And, and, uh, and that's what they're going to do. Uh, that's how it's going to be, and uh, so so that and that that's why these fights, are, especially Shizora uh, Usyk, that's why it's taken this long to get there because I, I gather uh, it's um, it's it's finances. So so uh, it's just a case of how things happen. I, I gather they got, they they're doing a test thing where they're going to get football, where they're going to have about two and a half thousand people and whatever. I think once they've set precedent, then then people can come in. Uh, it, and again, if it's a limited crowd, that means ticket prices, unfortunately, are going to be ridiculous. I'm assuming ticket prices will be ridiculous to try and make up some of the shortfall. Mm -hmm. um, but we're just going to wait and see. But as we say, we're in September now. If 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 another pandemic licks the the the, the world, then then these ideas are in the air. But I've got to give it to to what all promoters, Frank Warren and 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 uh, Eddie, uh, they're, they're a match room. They are being optimistic. 
and uh, and putting things on the table, saying, right, this is what we're aiming for. If things change globally, then it's not happening. So it leads to putting things out there. Mm. Yeah, I think this is like a, almost like a day-by-day situation, isn't it, to see what's changing government guidelines, etc., to see what's going to go on. I, I don't think they they quite know themselves. But, they're probably they making... that, but, but they've got to be optimistic because yeah. they've got to keep people lifted. They've got to pe- keep people engaged. So, uh, and so uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, nothing for that. Who's outside your house? Outside my house? Yeah. Who's outside, who's that ringing your phone? You got two phones? Wow. Wow. I got one phone, you idiot. Well, what are you speaking to me on then? A laptop. Oh, okay. Um, just before we finish, Kel Brook. Uh, yes. Has he been linked with a fight with uh, Terence Crawford? Your thoughts? Uh, good on him. I think uh, Kel Brook, remember when he was last he last had a microphone in front of him after a fight, he, he said, I want the big fights. He, you know, and I know Kel wants at least a couple of big fights before he walks away from this game. And uh, I'm quite sure this is exactly what he wanted. Uh, I can see it happening. Um, um, I know talks are well and truly down the line. Kel's been in the gym, uh, taking over, and I mean, like he's made his lifestyle, um, uh, and so, so for him, I think, uh, of course, you know, you'd look and think if Kel can pull out the hat and be Kel, the Kel we know, uh, then then he could give, it, give him give him trouble, give him hellfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it gets closer to the fight, as things go on, the Kel I've seen in the gym, he looks dedicated, he looks on it, he looks hungry, uh, and I like that. Terence Crawford is a is a hell of a fighter. And so for him to say, yeah, I want this. Remember, he was doubted when he got in against Porter, um, at Kel, because Porter was so rough and predictable and, 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 uh, and crude. And Kel dealt with him, fought fire with fire. So, so everything's possible and everything seems impossible until it's done. So uh, let's, let's uh, be optimistic about this and see where, uh, where it leads to. Let's talk more seriously about it once pen and paper has been done uh, and, signed on, and everything's been signed on the dotted line. Hmm, interesting. There's a, there's quite a few fights. I mean, Luke Campbell's going to fight Ryan Garcia mm. in the US, which is interesting. There's, I think there's going to be like a big backlog of fights coming up. Yeah, of course. But and listen, to, remember, you've got a lot of fights. You've got a lot of fights itching to get back in the mix again. Uh, headliners and undercard. And so, so uh, you know, you've got hungry fighters wanting to get in the mix. So the ones that have had been fortunate enough to, to be shown and showcased already, yeah, they are just a fortunate few. I think there's over 750 professional fighters here in England. And so there's a lot of mouths to feed. Mm. Okay. <laughs> well, listen, I appreciate your time this Sunday afternoon. Pleasure. Have you got anything else you'd like to add before we finish? What was Turkey like? Oh, wait yeah. on a minute. Can we talk about you for a minute? Yeah. About your personal life for a minute. What? What personal questions have I asked you? About the baby. About the baby. Look at your face. Come on, talk to us, man. It was the best news you ever got. <laughs> That's really good. News. I can't believe you'll be a daddy. You tell I me. Can't... You tell me before you didn't know what. It was, well, no one knew what it was going to be. You said I don't think you'll produce a girl because only real men produce girls. That's what you said. I, uh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. I'll stand by that. Uh, yes, I did. I got three girls. I pop, pop, pop them out. Three girls. 
And I didn't actually say only real men. And I said, men that produce girls are real men. And they, I, did say, I did say the ones that produce boys aren't real men because we have some, some, some accomplished gentlemen that pop boys out. But I'm just saying, I just, I expect you to drop a boy out. You can do it. Have we picked a name yet? Yeah, Irani. Oh wow, you're so you're so childish. How can you be? How can you be someone of responsibility for your for your for your baby when you're being so childish? What? What's wrong with you? I actually, I actually think it'd be really good for you. I think you should pop a load out. If it was me, I would have had I would have had loads of kids. I'll just worry about this one first. Huh? I'll worry about this one first. And All then... right, and then back on the job again. Get some more popped out. Back on the job. Oh, sorry. Oh, let me be more more respectful. Get some more popped out. Sorry, sorry, came out wrong. Uh, father some more. Father some. Ask your ask your woman if you could have some more, please. Go on, do it. I'm telling you, you won't regret it. I'm telling oh, you, I love it. I got. This is advice, Johnny. I'll, I'll make sure that that, that happens. Yeah. I'll, yeah. All right. So, so we have you got? Are you gonna have a big christening that, or do you want anybody to be a, a godparent? <coughs> He's coming down the stairs now. Huh? coming down the stairs now. Ask her, ask her. I would be a godparent. I'll be a great godparent. What? What's the point of that? What we do you mean? Could I, I'd be a person of influence. I'm, 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 I've got a good heart. I'm a godly man. I'm Sheffield. Exactly. I would let her understand how proper people talk. Not that stupid southern stuff. Let's speak correctly. No, but if she needs you for sight, you're in Sheffield. So we know it's a girl then? It is a girl. I know it's a girl. But you never admit it was a girl. I did. I did no, a gender didn't. reveal. Just re When? On the 9th of August. Is this public? <laughs> Why have you not told me? I don't know. Just... What kind of friendship is that? You've got to be on Yeah, but you don't tell me if it's a girl or not. So it's a well, girl. We're on Instagram, so the world knows. Well, the world, in my world, know. Well, congrats. Thanks. Congrats. In fact, not congrats to you. Congrats to her. Because she's got to pick up with you and your picnic. I got a rater. I rate her. I rate her. You should marry her. You know I mean? Imagine your wedding. I'll film it. We're doing it in Zamunda. <laughs> Prepare the royal baggage. <laughs> Wash the royal penis. <laughs> you take care. What? What do you mean? They'll take Why care of you, man. It's weird. Why is it weird. Have you watched the film? Wow. Of course you the film. That's what I'm quoting from the film. Um... <laughs> All right, Johnny, thank you very much for talking to IFL TV. And, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, you know what? Listen, and uh, uh, enough respect to your woman, too. My daughter's just coming. She's going to touch my food now. Nice one. All right, peace. Be lucky. Johnny Nelson, right, thank you. With debt, bills, loans, credit cards, need a way out? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt matters. Anthony Joshua has been saying some interesting things lately. So I'm going to quote him here. He said, Fury has been professional much longer than me. He should be looking to retire soon. If he wants to cement his legacy, I'm here and ready. I've built myself into this position. I'll challenge Fury. I'll challenge Wilder. These guys aren't the biggest names that I've fought on my record anyway. They are just another heavyweight. Look at my record. They are not the best fighters that I have challenged. When they are ready, I'm here to fight. Hmm. Now, 
In several videos over the past, I don't know, year, I've said that there's a danger of Tyson Fury underestimating Anthony Joshua because his entire team, his family, and probably the majority of boxing fans around the world believe that he would not only defeat Anthony Joshua, but he would do it in dominant fashion. And I just felt like that, could backfire on Tyson Fury if he ends up believing it. Because Anthony Joshua does have certain skills which Vladimir Klitschko and Deontay Wilder don't have. And of course, vice versa, especially with Vladimir Klitschko. He had certain skills that AJ didn't have. So I thought that, you know, maybe Fury could underestimate AJ and it could be an issue for him if and when they fight. But the way AJ's talking at the moment, it's almost as if He's trying to underestimate Tyson Fury, <laughs> saying that Fury and Wilder are not the best fighters he's challenged in his career. Well, if he's talking about Vladimir Klitschko, at least in terms of Vladimir Klitschko's resume, that might be true, but we know that Tyson Fury dominated Vladimir Klitschko when they fought. And he won the fight hands down on the scorecards in Klitschko's adopted backyard. So Anthony Joshua can't overlook that. The fact that this guy had a much more comfortable time with Klitschko than he did. I mean, Klitschko was clearly, at least in my eyes, outboxing Anthony Joshua when they fought. And save for that fifth round where AJ put Klitschko on the floor. For me, that was a Klitschko fight all the way. And obviously AJ pulled it out of the bag in the 11th round and ended the fight. To me, it was absolutely baffling that the judges had AJ ahead going into the 11th round. I mean, talk about house fighter. To me, Klitschko was clearly ahead. So, you know, he has to look at the fact that the very same guy he fought, Tyson Fury, comfortably outboxed him. So, can he really, in his heart of hearts, say that, you know, the other guys he's fought are better than Tyson Fury? I think that's, if he really believes that, I think that's silly. Now, as far as Deontay Wilder, there's more of an argument to say that he's fought better guys than Wilder before. There's more of an argument. I'm not saying I necessarily agree, but he has fought Klitschko. And even the version of Klitschko that he fought I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that guy could beat Wilder, okay? Joseph Parker. Now, Joseph Parker has never fought Wilder, of course, but again, when you look at the situation now, in retrospect, after what Tyson Fury did to Wilder, can you honestly say that you would be confident in picking Deontay Wilder over Joseph Parker? I wouldn't. So, you know, there's more of a, an argument there, but the bottom line is, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder are different. Whether you want to call them better or worse, they're different to the other fighters on Anthony Joshua's record. And in boxing, styles make fights. So don't be, don't be too concerned or too caught up in who has the better res. This, that stuff does matter. Don't get it twisted. But when it comes to, you know, facing a potential fighter, facing a potential rival, don't get too caught up in who they've beaten and haven't beaten. Focus more on their style. 
and what they do well, uh, you know, what, and what they don't do so well. That's what you should be focusing on if you're looking to fight somebody. Styles make fights. And Anthony Joshua has never fought anybody with Tyson Fury's style. Not even remotely close, his style or attributes. Nor has he fought anybody with the style or attributes of Deontay Wilder. So again, it's good that Anthony Joshua is confident or appears to be confident. It's good that he's not putting Wilder and Fury up on a pedestal. That he's saying, oh, they're just another couple fighters to me. I don't see them the way that their fans see them. You know, that, that's good that he's doing that. But at the same time, don't go overboard. <laughs> don't get to the point where you're underestimating them. I mean, we saw where that got in with Andy Ruiz. So, I don't know. Interesting, the stuff that AJ's been coming out with recently. Perhaps he's just responding to people on social media, boxing fans, who keep telling him that Fury and Wilder are way above him and would both smash him to pieces. Maybe he's responding to that. Maybe it's a bit of frustration coming out. But again, you need to be careful. Yeah, You have to prepare for every challenge as if that person is the most dangerous fighter you've ever faced in your life. That's what professionals do. Yeah? And that's what Anthony Joshua needs to do going forward. That's what Tyson Fury and everybody else needs to do. Now, I still think at this point, there's more danger of Tyson Fury underestimating Joshua than the other way around. Simply because of the type of personality Tyson Fury has. Tyson Fury is a very naturally confident character, even more so than Anthony Joshua, I would say. AJ is very confident too. Look, you don't reach the top in boxing and become world heavyweight champion if you're not a confident character, for the most part. So AJ's confident, Fury's confident. I feel like Fury's confidence is higher than AJ's, not only now, but I think naturally. He's got an even higher level of confidence. And on top of that, Tyson Fury is more of a people person than Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua is not really a people person. I know he has this public persona and all this kind of business, but the impression I get of AJ is that he's actually quite a private guy and that he doesn't like and enjoy interacting with the public as much as Tyson Fury does. And I'm sure there are days when Tyson Fury feels like he doesn't want to have to speak to the public, okay, because he can get mobbed and overwhelmed or whatever. But to me, he's more of a naturally gregarious, you know, naturally sociable kind of person. And as such, he gets affected by that. Yeah. And the way that he gets affected is that I think Tyson Fury is more susceptible to becoming overconfident due to the reception he gets from the public. When Tyson Fury was frustrated about the fact that AJ was way more popular than him, I think that motivated him to become better. I think that motivated him <coughs> excuse me, to achieve more. The fact that he resented AJ having more public support in the UK. But now the tide has kind of shifted. Now Tyson Fury has got at least as much support in the UK as Anthony Joshua. And, you know, that is an opinion of mine. It isn't necessarily true. We'll have to see in terms of Tyson Fury's, you know, box office numbers when he fights in the UK or, uh, 
even if he fights in America. Let's see what kind of box office numbers he does on BT. But the perception I have right now is that Tyson Fury's popularity in Britain, um, actually, no, let, let me take it back. He's not as, he doesn't have the, the women on his side. That's probably the difference. I think in terms of male followers and fans, Tyson Fury has got at least as much as AJ, if not a bit more now, maybe slightly more. But AJ still has this large female following, which Tyson Fury probably doesn't have as much of, okay? But still, there's been a, a definite shift in terms of popularity where, whereby it's a lot more even between the two of them. And Tyson Fury is enjoying that extra popularity now. And I think that that there, with people gassing him and telling him not only is he better than AJ, but the AJ fight's easy... You combine that with the fact that his team are telling him that, Andy Lee's telling him that, his dad's telling him that, all his brothers are telling him that. And every time he talks about AJ, he doesn't really have much good to say. Calls him a pumped up bodybuilder and says, oh, I don't see what all the fuss is about. That to me, you know, if I'm a Tyson Fury fan, I'm concerned. We saw against Otto Wallen when he went in there thinking it was going to be another Tom Schwartz, it turned out to be a much tougher fight than he bargained for. And he was close to losing that fight on cuts. If it had been a different referee in different circumstances, the ref might have stopped it and awarded it to Otto Wallen via TKO on cuts. You know? So, yeah, Tyson Fury is the kind of guy who can get overconfident. And it, it, as far as I'm concerned, the AJ fight is the wrong fight to do it in. So we'll see what happens. But let me know what you guys think in the comment section below about all the points I've raised in this video. It's happening out. Join me on Patreon. I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week, covering a wide variety of controversial topics, as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just $3 a month, the equivalent of about £2 a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalogue of past podcasts, including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the Patreon app from the Google Play Store or the App Store for free. The Patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in MP3. For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content. It's easy to sign up, there's no contract, and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today. Struggling with debt? Bills, loans, credit cards? Need a way out? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt matters. Ready. Ready. So you at the you at the Warren play? Are you at the Warren show? This is Umar Ahmed for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. With me, I've got promoter, manager Steve Goodwin, and also fighter Brad Paul. So yeah, thanks for making the time, guys, and joining me. Uh, You've been you've been in a bit of a social media stir with a certain fella recently. I'll come to you first, Steve. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is I will deal with all the separate things. I mean, 
The bottom line is, I, I think that it's very important that boxers make waves. I think it's important that boxers are characters. I think we've had it, well, Howard Davis is the most re recent one that springs to mind. And, you know, obviously Tyson Fury does his thing. Um, and I think that's really important that boxers do do, you know, do, do come out there and create a presence. Um, but there's a line. There's a line that should not be crossed, especially if you haven't got any talent. And in this example, we have a person who's famous realistically for going on Love Island and not being able to pull a bird, who's come now, who now has, um, you know, has now come from that, failing at that, to becoming a boxer. And in his last three fights, fighting people that have never won a fight between them. Um, the combined record of people he's fought are, is something they've had over 212 losses between them. And, we, and, then, and then starting to insult people like, you know, who had zero wins and seven losses and being so disrespectful to people like him and his trainer, Curtis Gargano, who's one of the boxing, you know, great guys who travels up and down the country with his journeyman. And, you know, he's not able to back it up. So at the end of the day, the, the, to me, Brad is a, is, a, is a good boxer. He's won a Southern Area title. I don't believe Idris Virgo would even win an area title. Um, and I'm, gonna, I'm offering him more money than he's ever seen in his life. You know, probably he'd have to fight 20, 30 times to earn that money um, to go and get in the ring with, with Brad. And if he wins and he's as good as he says he is, then he's going to win an awful lot of money. If he isn't as good as he says he is, he's going to have a reality check and perhaps he can go back to the ground roots and, and learn a bit of humility, decency, um, and, 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 and treat people in the right way because he's gone far, far, far too far. And if he decides to decline this and duck this, which I think he is, I think he's too scared um, to do it, then it, it stays with him and hopefully that humility, every other boxer that comes into contact with him will know that he's scared to have a real fight, will know that he's a cartoon character boxer and will know that he's just going to carry on like Butterbean or anybody else and just do the king of the four rounders against people that can't fight. The boxing world will know this because Brad's here and we're here. And I'm going to give you an exclusive and this is the first person I've told this to. Not only am I going to offer him £100,000 for beating Brad, there's a £25,000 bonus for knocking him out on top. So if, he, if he's able, because he says it's easy work and he's going to stop him. So it's not 100,000, it's 125,000 pounds if he knocks bread out. And the, and the other issue is that he said, oh, one more thing, he said that I should be doing it on my show to, um, to give my boxers work. Well, I will be sending an offer to his manager, John Pegg, who's actually a really decent guy. And I can't, I'm sure that he's not too impressed with his behavior. But if they don't want to do it on Channel 5, then we'll stage it for him. We'll, we'll stage it for him, December, January time, and we, he can fight on a show that we will arrange, we'll pay him a basic purse, and he have all those bonuses to earn as well when he, when he actually finds that it's easy work and can beat Brad. There's no excuses, no bullshit, no nothing. You've seen the fun, Zuma. You know the money's there. The money is ready to come out, and Brad will knock him out. And that's what's going to happen. And he knows it. I know it. Brad knows it. Everybody in boxing knows it. He hasn't got the bottle to take the fight. Let's, let's see if he's going to prove us wrong. Oh, I'll just confirm before we move on. Yeah, Steve, I have seen the funds, the proof of funds. I've seen them. And uh, yeah, so that, that I can confirm that. Brad, uh, before I ask you about Steve's offer and, and the fight itself, if it happens, what did you make of the incident that Steve's talking about where Idris obviously threw the water over his opponent? What did you make of that? 
Um, I didn't really rate it, to be honest. Um, I didn't know a lot about Idris before, but after watching that, I think on behalf of the whole boxing community, I think everyone wanted him to be humbled because, Umar, you know boxing and you know for guys turning up with only seven losses, you can't do things at all like that. Everyone knows why he's there and it's just pure disrespect and bullying. So you know he hasn't got the challenge back. So I was watching it and I was thinking, I'd love to see him do it to me. If he was doing that to me, it'd be so, so different. And I don't think he would. So now Steve's got the confidence in me. I know I'll win. So now he's got nowhere to hide at all. There's nothing he can say. The spotlight's on him. He has to take the fight because if he doesn't, he's going to be known as a coward for the rest of his career. His, his credibility will just go, disappear. So, yeah, I'd like to, like a public service for everyone in boxing, they hated seeing that. I'd like to humble him for everyone else. As Steve said, uh, his purses at the moment will be nowhere near the 100k mark. Uh, so on that basis, if if he wins, and I'm sure he believes he can do that, do you think he'll actually take this fight, Brad, considering the purse? I think now that the pressure's on, he has to take the fight. But I think in other circumstances, he wouldn't want to take the fight because deep down he knows it's not going to go well for him. Do you understand? Like You can box seven journeymen and think you're a good boxer, but when it comes to someone fighting back, who's got good attributes, I think he knows that it's, it's not going to work out well for him. So I'll like to serve up some justice and cause some pain to him. Steve, how would it work financially if Brad were to come out victorious in terms of his purse and also Idris's money? Well, this is no, Brad will, Brad will get, obviously, if he fights on Channel 5, then Channel 5 will pay his purse like they pay Idris's opponents. This isn't about Brad earning fortune out of this fight. It's about giving Brad a platform to show how good he is because the real money is going to come down the line. The risk that we're, we're taking is we're taking the risk that if something went wrong, I'm going to back Brad that way. This isn't um, a charity fight. I'm putting the money up because I don't think there's a cat in hell's chance of me losing that money. Right? This isn't a donation. I don't think I've got any chance whatsoever of losing it. It's just what round Brad stops him in. If he goes six rounds with Brad, it's got to be a minimum of six. He's going to suffer a severe painful beating and probably will never come back again the best result for him is to get ironed out by one of brad's uppercuts right hooks or body shots and if it gets over with quickly it's painless for him at least he's got some credibility he can come back and start to build his career okay um did you see the the response he made uh, to you steve the tweet you quoted i actually don't read comments from fools i only read comments from people that matter so i haven't seen it um i saw the bit the first bit the first bit which was about i should be putting a show on for hundred thousand to support my boxers then i've heard he said something about i don't have the money um so we'll try and we'll try and deal with that there is no there is no real response umar there's more money than he's ever seen in his life i know what he earned in love island i know what he gets for personal appearances i know what he gets he has never seen hundred thousand pound in his lifetime so his only chance of seeing it, because he's not going to make it out of boxing. If he goes in ultimate boxer, which he was thinking of doing, the most he can win there is £16,000. He's got to beat three people to do that. He's just got to beat Brad for £100,000. If he stops him, it's £125,000. It doesn't matter what bullshit he comes out with, the waffle, the nonsense. He wants the fight, or he's, just, he's scared and chicken, and he runs away and hides 
but then he shouldn't disrespect any other fighter after this. Well, yeah, he, he said that if you're, if you're willing to spend that £100,000 on me if I win, uh, why aren't you using that to put shows on, etc.? But obviously you believe you're not going to lose that 100000 I'm, I'm, an, I'm an investor, you my I'm a financial advisor by trade. I'm an investor. I invest in my boxes. I take risks when risks are concerned. I will do. I will put that show on if he wants to do it, and I'll give some other boxers some work on the undercard because enough people will want to watch to see Brad Pauls splatter him across the canvas. So I'll put that on, and that makes good sense for me to do that because enough people in the boxing fraternity will will want to watch that, and it'll be well worth doing it. But as far as putting anybody, any small promoter, putting on a show without something that's going to sell, it doesn't make sense. It's a £50,000 event when, if you put one on, and nobody can afford just to spend that and carry on spending that until COVID is over. But we, we invest in our boxes when, when the time is right. The back, but I don't believe, this isn't a case of, of, of me uh, of £100,000 losing it. But the issue for him is he doesn't need to worry about my boxes. I've got lots of champions, including Brad including Linus Udofi, who fights on Sky Sports. My boxers know exactly what's going on with their careers. He doesn't need to worry about them. They're quite okay. He should worry about himself. And the fact that he hasn't got the bottle to take a fight, where if he wins, he gets six figures, more money than he's ever seen and more money than he ever will see. That's his decision. Don't worry about me and my boxers. My boxers, like Brad, are very happy. Brad, uh, I'm sure you believe you are levels above Idris Virgo, as you should. Uh, as, a, as a professional fighter. Um, but would there be slightly more extra pressure knowing that Stephen is offering this £100,000 and potentially 125 k that if you did have just a really bad night at the office that you're, you're costing Steve a lot of money? Would there be a bit of extra pressure on you? Um, yeah, theoretically there should be, but you can't think about that. At the end of the day, it's just me and him in the ring and it's a fight I know I can win. If... If I thought I was going to lose Steve 125k, I'd be like, look, Steve, I don't think you're doing good business here. But I'm <laughs> fully, fully, fully confident. Um, Steve, your money's safe, mate. Don't worry. That bank account's going to be sweet. Um, yeah, there's a little bit of pressure, but every time I've stepped up or anything, any challenge I've had, always successful. So I've got confidence from, uh, from what I've achieved. And it's... A little bit satisfying, I think. I'm willing to do it because I feel like he deserves to get some justice served up. Bar that, though, as well, surely uh, for your own profile, as Steve said, a lot of people will tune into that. So going forward for yourself, it's going to do your profile and your your value a world of good. Yeah, yeah. I think people just like a bit of beef, like you put in the titles like that. People do bite on it. And every single message I've got, I've probably got 100 since yesterday is I'd love it if you knock this guy out. Every single message is that way. Um, so it does create a little bit of extra hype. Um, but that's where I'm heading in my career. I'm going to have plenty more fights like that. So it's just the start. What do you make of Idris as a fighter? Have you seen anything of him? I've seen a little bit. Um, just seems pretty average, to be honest. So, like, I, rate, I respect him, he gets in the ring, but there's nothing that concerns me. What about, uh, you know, aside from this situation, how do you feel like your career is going and uh, the places you're going to get to, aside from it? Um, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one because, as Steve was saying about Linus, obviously we're gym mates, train every day together, and he's one step ahead of the English, and I'm just in a little queue, just in a little queue waiting for Linus to move on. 
so I can step up the levels. Um, I probably would have fought for the English, but COVID stopped it. So, yeah, it's progressing the right way. I just probably haven't got the profile um, just yet, but I think it will come in the later stages of my career. Might come uh, in your next fight as well if uh, Idris accepts this, Steve. If, if. <laughs> Steve, down to is, down it, to is there a final message to Idris? Either shut up for good or, or come and face the first real fighter of your career. It's really simple. People are fed up with your bullshit, with the way you disrespect fighters. You've now got the potential of £125,000. Shut your mouth, stop the bullshit, and be a real man, not a coward. Okay, I think uh, we heard that message loud and clear. Steve, thanks for joining me. Enjoy <laughs> your, your trip uh, away. And uh, Brad, uh, hope to see you back in the ring soon, whether it's against Idris or whoever, all right? Best of luck. Cheers, man. I appreciate it. Struggling with that. Bills, loans, credit cards. Need a way out? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt matters. This is Ryan Elliott for Boxing Social, in association with Betfred. I'm delighted to be joined by promoter slash manager Steve Goodwin and Southern Area Middleweight Champion Brad Pauls. Before we get down to boxing talk, guys, how are we? All good. good thank you. Good down, in Cornwall for weeks, down in Cornwall for a week's holiday, so chilling out. Obviously got bored the other night and we decided to, between myself and Brad, to hash up a, something to uh, really come out with and uh, hopefully sort of stir the, stir the world of boxing up a bit and expose some people for what they are. So it's sort of in light, it's, it's enriched my holiday experience. <laughs> That's good to hear, Steve. You said you had to make a bit of a stir. You certainly did that. Uh, boxing Twitter went crazy. You put out a £100,000 offer, Idris Virgo, for those that didn't see it. If he could beat your man here, Brad Pauls. You said you yeah. would put it on Channel 5. Uh, talk me through where this stemmed from. This has turned a lot of heads, this offer. Right, so, well, the actual offer is going to be increased today um, and that because we want to expose this coward um, for what he is. We want him to show the world of boxing that he's a real man and not some little playground bully that likes to bully those who can't fight back because that's all he loves to seem to want to do. So, it was really the fact that Curtis Gargano, who's a friend of mine, um, was in the corner with uh, his Scott Williams when all this nonsense happened where he, he basically took the piss out of a guy who's zero and seven and there to lose. And I know Curtis was really upset by it. And we thought, well, look, this, you know, this guy is professing that he's going to beat everybody. And he's saying that, you know, he can beat this one and beat that one. And he's got his own journey. So I thought, well, okay, then I don't believe this. I don't think you're very good. I think you're average. If at best, I think you're more, you know, he's a moderate boxer. He's a failed Love Island contestant. Remember, this is a man that went on Love Island and couldn't pull a bird. He wasn't even any good enough for that. If I had sent Brad into Love Island, he'd have had flocks of birds after him. There's a difference. He wouldn't have even won that battle. In the ring, he'd get beaten again by Brad. It wouldn't matter which way he wants to approach it. He can't win any battle. So we thought, well, look, this guy needs to be, needs to be exposed. Now, the only way of exposing him is to actually offer him enough money where he can't run, a, run, a, run away and become a coward. Well, he can become a coward, but everybody's going to know what he is. Um, 
So we decided how much money would it be that would be life-changing for him? Well, he doesn't earn a lot of money. He's not, he's, you know, I know people that know him. He's not very, he's not rich or loaded. He didn't make a lot of money out of Love Island because I say he didn't pull anybody. So he, he came out of Love Island very quickly. Um, so, you know, the point is obviously Ultimate Boxer got behind him. They want these freak celebrities, you know, to, to, to do it. But we have got a freak celebrity here. Somebody who can't fight. He can't really box. He's moderate at best. Um, he'd lose to many journeymen. That's why he fights those that can't even win a fight. His last four of his eight opponents have never won a fight. So we got to the stage where we thought, look, let's give him a chance to show he is actually a man and he's a man of his word and he will back up the bullshit that he comes up with. So let's give him enough incentive to do that. So Brad will fight for a normal purse, whether it be an one-hour show or Hennessy's show. But I will give Idris Virgo £100,000 if he is able to beat Brad Pauls over six rounds or more. But, but just to give him, because obviously that's not enough. It hasn't seemed to have inspired him enough to have the balls to fight. But he's saying that Brad would be easy work and he'd knock him out. So I'm going to give him another 25,000 if he's able to knock Brad out. So he gets 100,000 for winning, another 25,000 pound bonus for knocking Brad out. What excuse has he got other than the fact he's a coward? Now, the second thing that he came up with, and the, the, set, the, the first objective was, why should I, I should put it on my show, I should spend the money and whatever nonsense it is. So I'm making him two options. It will be going to his manager. We'll do it on Channel 5. Alternatively, he doesn't want to be embarrassed on Channel 5 and he wants to be embarrassed on another platform. We'll stage the fight. We'll give him a basic purse, similar to what he's getting on Channel 5. Um, and then we'll give him the bonus. The, the, up to 100,000, up to 125,000. So he can have it wherever he wants, on whatever show he wants. He hasn't got to worry. He's just got to turn up, put the gloves on, come in the ring, get knocked out, get picked up off the canvas, go back to his dressing room, eat some humble pie, and learn what humility is all about and what levels in boxing are all about, because he's down the bottom level and Brad's at the top level. Steve, I know this isn't a gimmick. I know you're serious about this. You've even shown me the proof of funds uh, before we did this interview, just yeah. so you could show me just how serious you are. You've yeah. said there's no reason for him to not take this, and you've even put that extra incentive there. Do you think he will, though? No, because I don't. I think he's a coward. I think the man is a coward. He's a bully. He's a sort of person out there who will be beating his women up at home or beating up the little, or when he's 16 in the school playground, beating up the 10-year-olds. And he won't pick on the 17-year-olds because they'll clump him back. So not to have one second he's ever beaten up people like that, but that's the sort of mentality that he has. He wants to bully those who can't do anything about it. Let him throw some water in Brad's face because Brad will hit him with an extra uppercut, uppercut. And instead of knocking him to the floor, he'll, make it, he'll punish him for a bit longer. So he can come to that ring and Brad will just punish him and punish him and punish him and finish him when he wants to be finished. He will get knocked out, clean, cold, out, because he is average and Brad is a superstar. Brad, just to bring you into this, uh, you and I were speaking just before Steve joined. I said, how much notice did you have that this, this offer was going out that was going to start stirring up the boxing world? And you said to me, only a few minutes. What's your reaction when you realise this is going out? Didn't, didn't, it, was, it was a good reaction. Um, obviously, this year has been a bit slow and this has got my attention very fast. I didn't need a lot of notice because me and Steve think alike. He thinks I'll knock him out and I think I'll knock him out. So we didn't really need to speak about it. It was already... Uh, foregone conclusion so yeah I'm just 
excited and it's a great opportunity to serve up some justice justice for someone who's been disrespectful and deserves to be punished for it. There was a video that went around online of Steve, you alluded to it, uh, Idris throwing water in the face of a, a man who was 0-7. Idris was a heavy favourite going into that fight. Brad, when you saw that video circulating, what was your first thought when you saw it? Uh, I was quite angry. Like, Ryan, you've been around boxing for a while. Like, you understand. You don't do them things in boxing. Like, everyone knows why he's there. And fair play to the guy. Took it well, didn't react. But like Steve said, it was just bullying. And doing that to someone, no disrespect, a record like that, is just bullying. And that's, now, now let him try do it with someone like me. Because it would be a lot different. And I don't think he's got the balls to do it. So... I feel like everyone in the boxing community seen what he did and they're all dying for him to be humbled. And I'm happy to be the guy that humbles him. When you've got someone like Steve, who's got the reputation of, of one of boxing straight shooters and one of boxing good guys, and he's got that much belief in you that he tells you at the, the last minute, I'm going to make this guy an offer of a hundred thousand pounds. If he can beat you, what does that do for you? Knowing that, that someone backing you has that kind of belief in you as well. Yeah, it's good. Obviously, I was confident anyway, but it makes sense. Like, Steve's been around me since the start of my pro career. He knew some of the stuff he did as an amateur. So, Steve knows exactly what he's doing. He's a smart businessman. He wouldn't put that money up if it was risky. Steve's smart. He's good with money. He wouldn't do it. So, he knows that his money's very, very safe. And it is very, very safe. So, it's, yeah, it's a little confidence booster. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's good business. Steve, what's the next step from here then? You've said you're willing to put the £25,000 bonus up. You said you're willing to stage a fight, willing to take it over at Hennessy. Where do we go from here? Well, I'm going to put this formally in writing to his manager, John Pegg, who I do wish to say I have the utmost respect for his manager. John Pegg is one of boxing's great guys. Looks after a lot of journeymen himself. And I know he wouldn't, whatever he has to say publicly, he would not have been impressed by Idris's behaviour against the journeyman because John treats journeymen with a lot of respect. But I will be putting it in writing to John and I will be saying we'll do it on a, on a Channel 5 show if you wish. We're happy to do it there. We're happy also to do it on our show and we'll put a show up and we'll headline it with the, with the two of them fighting. Um, we will do that and we'll have an undercard to that. We will offer these bonus. We will offer these guarantees. They will be backed by lawyers holding the funds the day before. The bottom line is Idris Virgo can keep writing all this shit that he's writing all the bullshit that he's writing, all the excuses. But the bottom line is we're going to make the offer in writing to him to do it on our show because we can't make an offer, obviously, for him to fight on Channel 5. That would offer would have to come from Mick Hennessy. But we will offer the guarantee if that fight is made. However, I will offer the fight to John Pegg and we will confirm the terms in writing, exactly as I've said it. Then we have to see whether Idris Virgo is actually a coward or whether he's a fighting man. Well, I believe he's a coward. I believe he will carry on and want to fight these, you know, like the bully boy at school. He'll keep wanting to fight these journeymen who have got no chance and are turning up deliberately to lose and keep doing this on Channel 5. But he's a fraud. He's a cartoon character. He's not a professional boxer. He's an imposter to the industry. He needs to be eliminated and taught a lesson. I'm putting the money up. There is no excuse. If he's a coward, just admit he's a coward. Go back fight his little journeyman fighters, but stop disrespecting them and admit you're just an average fighter, just as you were an average contestant on Love Island. 
Now, Stephen Coombs and Brad, he's been touted by many as a sort of dark horse in the middleweight division on the, the domestic scene. How hard is it to get these fight to, to these guys to fight, oh man? I mean, you've made one guy a hundred thousand pound offer. How difficult is it to get them in the ring? Of it's not. It's not. It's not too difficult. Brad was actually going to fight uh, in Plymouth in a final eliminator for the English title. The, the 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 thing that's held Brad back slightly is just I've got two fighters in the same gym, Linus and Brad, who are best of friends. So they're fighting in the same weight category, and they're both British title level. So I have to bring. And it's just been that Brad was injured for a time and Linus went through. It could have been the other way that Brad would have been the English champion. Now Linus would have been behind. But Brad was injured at the time when Linus built, built through. So he's had to sit behind Linus. He knows that, but the two of them are best friends. So they know what's going on. So it's not difficult. Brad will be delivered there. And both of them will be, be British level and, and hopefully beyond. So it's, it's not particularly difficult. That Brad's career has been managed perfectly. Just unfortunate that he, he had a bit of an, an injury during a period of his career when we were building up momentum. But with, if Idris Virgo doesn't want the fight, and I don't think he is because, I, as I say, I think he's a coward and a bully, but that's fine because Bradwell's career will, will flourish next year with or without Idris Virgo. But Idris Virgo has to be exposed for what he is, the fraud and the coward. Brad Pauls is a fighting man and a proper, proper fighter. And that's why Idris Virgo will not fight a proper fighter like Brad. Now, guys, I just wanted to get your thoughts on a, a couple of things before I let you go. I do appreciate your time. Uh, another middleweight fight this weekend, Brad, I wanted to get your thoughts on. We've got Denzel Bentley and Mark Heffron, a brilliant domestic middleweight fight. How do you see that fight playing out? What do you make of it? I think it is a proper 50-50 fight. Um, I'll be keeping a close eye on it because uh, that's, that's where I'm heading. Um, it is a good fight, isn't it? I, I think Heffron late stoppage. Uh, I watched Denzel's last fight. And that's my gut feeling. So it'll be a great fight while it lasts. Got two power punches, but Heffron late stoppage and maybe a future opponent. So yeah, good fight. Steve, I'm sure like Brad, you'll be keeping an eye as a possible future opponent for Brad. What do you make of the fight? Who do you expect to win? Well, I've, I've watched both of the fighters. I've watched all their fights. I've got respect for both of them. And I want to say, we've been talking about people that are cowardly and don't want to take fights on this video. These two deserve the ultimate credit like 99% of boxers do for respectfulness, for the fact that they do, they let their fists do the talking and they cut and they will go into a fight like this. Both of them, I take my hats off to both of them. I wish them both the best. They're both great fighters and, and top level domestically. I think Heffron has that bit more experience uh, to win the fight. I don't think Denzel has been tested enough yet to fight Heffron. Um, I think Mark Heffron wins with a second half stoppage, very similar to Brad. But you know what? We could both be wrong. And both fighters, I have utmost respect for them. And Steve, one other thing I want to get your thoughts on. Uh, over to Russia this week, Umar Sadiq is going out there to face Fedor Chudinov. What do you make of that? And what do you make of Umar's chances out there as well? Big fight for him. Uh, I, another fighter. Uh, Umar Sadiq fought on a good win show. I've dealt with Umar uh, on a few occasions. I've, the, again, Umar is a proper fighter, a proper, proper fighting man. One of these fighters that deserves every single credit in the world. I hope he wins. I think he's up against it in Russia. We know how hard it is to win over there. Um, I think Chudinov probably wins, but I'm praying and hoping that Umar does it. Before I let you guys go, I'm going to start with you, Brad. Uh, yep. There's going to be a lot of heads turned even more after, after these videos surface and people see the upped offer. Brad, if you could leave a final message to Idris Virgo, what would you say to him? Um... 
yeah, Idris, you've got nowhere to hide. There's too much money to say no to this fight. You have no option but to take the fight. And if for any reason the fight doesn't happen, it's solely because you're a coward. So the most money you've ever made in your whole entire life in one fight, 125,000. Let's go. Let's find out what you're made of. And Steve, I'll leave the final comment to yourself. We're going to find out whether Rizvis Virgo is a fighting man or a fraud and a coward. I believe he's a fraud and a coward. All right, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to Boxing Social. It's going to get interesting in the next couple of days. I'm sure we'll catch you when we've got some developments as well, but thank you for your time. Cheers. Nice Thanks. Right. Cheers, mate. Thank you. I'm going to quote Mike Tyson here. He said, quote, I believe this is just going to be the beginning and whatever happens, happens in life. I'm just interested in fighting for the title of giving. It feels soul cleaning for some reason. Doing it for myself doesn't do it for me no more, end quote. And of course, he's talking about his comeback of sorts. He's looking to have this exhibition against Roy Jones sometime this year. He also revealed that after his training video, which got released on social media that went viral, he was in bed for a week because at 54 years of age, his body isn't used to doing that type of workout anymore. Isn't used to the level of training that he was doing in his 20s and in his 30s. And so doing that type of training, even for a day or two, wiped him out. <laughs> right, he said a little 30 second clip wiped him out for a week I think that's a little bit of an exaggeration but I think what led up to that 30 second clip is what wiped him out for a week so I'm going to quote Mike Tyson again he said quote I was discussing with my wife something about me being overweight and she said why don't you just get on a treadmill for 15 minutes a day but then it went from 15 minutes a day to two hours a day I just started losing weight and my brother-in-law said hey Mike I know you're not going to want it, but someone asked if you would fight this guy for 30 or 40 million bucks. I said, get the F, whoa, hold on, who would they like me to fight? And he said, it was Bob Sapp. I'm saying to myself, I know Bob, I know he's big and strong, so I asked how they wanted me to fight him, if it would be Queensbury rules. He asked the guy, the guy said yes, and I said I would fight him. Getting in shape and getting conditioned are two different animals. They don't be even belong in the same division of working out. Getting in shape is getting able to fit in your clothes. Being in condition is being able to come outside of your soul. You can't do that automatically. The emotional state to prepare for that is mind-boggling. Let me tell you something about the first uh, training video. I did that video and I was in bed for a week. That was 30 seconds and I was in bed for a week. That was not funny because it made me realize that this is big boy, you know what, end quote. So, some interesting things that Mike Tyson said there. First of all, saying that this is just going to be the beginning. Is he hinting that should he get past this exhibition with Roy Jones victorious, that he may entertain the possibility of coming back in a professional capacity and actually making a run of it as a contender. Is that what Mike Tyson is hinting at? 
I guess it all depends on how it goes and how he feels. Also, with regards to his uh, condition, you know, said he, he did 15 minutes and he was in bed for, for a week because of the intensity of the training. Indeed, there is a big difference between being aesthetically in shape, looking like you're in shape, and having a, a level of functional conditioning. So with dieting and weightlifting, you can get yourself ripped and shredded, but you wouldn't be able to go 10 rounds at a good pace in a boxing match, right? So I guess he's talking about the difference between aesthetic shape and being in, you know, be, being match fit, as we say it in the UK, being fight fit, being match fit. There is a big difference. You know, over the years in the boxing gyms, I've seen people like some of my friends who I used to try and get to come to the boxing gym. They were football players, right? They used to play in America. They call it soccer. The rest of the world, we call it football because you play it with your feet. I mean, go figure, right? <laughs> uh, they were football players. They used to run around for 90 minutes on the pitch. No problem at all. They were physically fit, but they would come into a boxing gym and you'd take them on the pads or get them to hit a bag and they'd be tired very, very quickly. They couldn't do the rounds like boxers could do it. So it's a different type of conditioning when you're boxing than it is when you're running around on a football pitch or when you're in a fitness gym on a treadmill pushing weights. It's a different type of fitness altogether. Boxing is a very specific fitness. And I think that boxing, because you're using your arms so much, and obviously, you know, when you're generating power, you're using your arms and legs and all that kind of business. But obviously, uh, with boxing, it's not just using your legs and rotating your hips and planting your feet. You're also using your upper body an, an awful lot. You're throwing, throughout the course of a 10 or 12 round fight, hundreds of punches, sometimes thousands of punches, depending on what weight you are. That, in my estimation, is a lot more cardio intensive than running around on a football pitch, okay? Because of the muscles that are so close to your heart that you're using a lot during a boxing match, throwing hundreds or thousands of punches. So again, I'm not somebody who has a degree in biology or, or anatomy or anything like that. All I can tell you is through personal experience, guys who have a good level of fitness in other sports they come into boxing and try boxing training and they're knackered quite quickly. And yet you've got boxers in there who wouldn't be able to run around on a football pitch for 90 minutes, but they can do 12 rounds at a decent pace quite easily. <laughs> you know? So it's a different type of fitness. Now, with Mike Tyson, he was not just a pressure fighter but he was a very athletically gifted pressure fighter. As pressure fighters go, particularly at heavyweight, Mike Tyson had unusually quick feet, unusually quick head movement, unusually quick reflexes, and unusually quick hands. If you look up the word explosive in the dictionary, you're going to see a picture of Mike Tyson. He was the epitome of what an explosive fighter is. Now that, he, obviously, a lot of it came from natural ability, but it had to be worked on and honed and enhanced in order for him to become the youngest heavyweight champion of all time. 
And in doing so, the intensity of training that Mike Tyson had to do was far beyond what most boxers were doing. It had to be because Mike Tyson was giving away so much in height and reach in order to fight the way that he fought explosive, fast combinations, you know, head movement, getting in quickly past the jab. It takes a tremendous amount of fitness to be able to do that, especially over the course of a long fight. The energy levels that it takes are incredible. Yeah. That is why Mike Tyson, and he had to be technically very, very sound, virtually flawless, at least within his style. Okay. Now, the Costamado style has flaws in it, like innately in it. You know, it has weaknesses. Let me not let me not call them flaws. Let me call them weaknesses. Every style has weaknesses. The Demado style had weaknesses. But in terms of what the Demado style was trying to do, Mike Tyson did it perfectly in his prime. Okay. And doing that perfectly, especially at heavyweight, takes an incredible level of fitness which Mike Tyson had, and he would do insane types of training. I mean, Mike Tyson in his prime was doing something like over a thousand uh, or 2000 sit-ups with a 20 pound weight on his chest a day during training camp. I mean, that's crazy, <laughs> especially for a heavyweight. If you're talking about lighter guys, they tend to be able to do more reps when it comes to, you know, body exercises and what have you. But for heavyweight to be doing 2,000 sit-ups with a 20-pound weight on his chest a day in training, that's insane. He was also doing 500 push-ups a day. And this is back in, you know, the 80s, 90s. Uh, 500 push-ups is a lot. It's not unprecedented and it's not crazy, you know, crazy amount. I've heard of fighters at lighter weights doing a lot more than that. I remember Gerald McClellan, used to do like a thousand push-ups a day. So, you know, but still, Mike Tyson was doing extremely intense training. His technique had to be absolutely bang on. He had to be immaculate right the way across the board to be as effective as he was. And even now at 54 years of age, Mike Tyson has that level of fitness and technique drilled into him psychologically. He, he is shooting for that standard, even now, okay? Hence why Mike Tyson ended up in bed for a week <laughs> after that training clip was filmed and everything that led up to that training clip, yeah? Um, and when I say everything that led up to that training clip, he didn't just get out of bed without having done any training at all for however many years, and hit the pads and that training clip came out. No, as he explained uh, in the interview, his wife told him, you know, do 15 minutes on a treadmill a day. That turned into a couple hours. So he was getting himself into some type of shape prior to that training clip being filmed. Okay, that training clip might have been the first intense, uh, you know, boxing training that he'd done in terms of hitting pads and all that kind of stuff in a long time. But he'd been doing some you know, cardiovascular exercise, I guess, for weeks leading up to that. But anyway, Mike Tyson, 54 years of age, still has a certain degree of, you know, athleticism, standout athleticism, as we can see, still got fast hands, still appears explosive. 
But how long could he actually do that for in a fight? I know they've got these very impressive little clips that have all been edited together of Mike Tyson hitting pads. Let's see some video footage, some unedited video footage of Mike Tyson hitting pads, hitting the bag, let's say for three rounds. If we can see that, then we'll get a realistic idea of where he's at. You know, some people have said they might even pick Roy Jones to beat Mike Tyson, maybe on points. I believe it's a six round fight, is it? Or an eight round fight. And if Mike Tyson's fitness really isn't there at 54 years of age, then it's possible Roy Jones could beat him. You know, I just feel like they're both around the same height. Roy Jones might have the slightly longer reach. We know he's got quicker feet. Um, but if Mike Tyson lands a solid jab, it's all over for Roy Jones. <laughs> because even though Mike is clearly not what he used to be, he's still a very powerful man. And uh, if he catches Roy with anything remotely solid, I think it's good night, Irene. Anyway, let me know what you guys think in the comment section below about Mike Tyson's recent comments. Uh, will he actually try and make a proper comeback? How will this Roy Jones exhibition go if it takes place? And what do you think about the chances Mike Tyson may have if he does embark on a proper comeback? Let me know in the comment section below, people. It's happening, I'm out. Join me on Patreon. I upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week covering a wide variety of controversial topics as well as live stream Q&A sessions. Take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts I've produced so far. For just $3 a month, the equivalent of about £2 a month, you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalogue of past podcasts, including my popular Confessions of a Nightclub Bouncer series. You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the Patreon app from the Google Play Store or the App Store for free. The Patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in MP3. For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content. It's easy to sign up, there's no contract, and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today.